Last November, my spouse and I had the privilege of a weekend visit to San Francisco, and it was my first time to ride the trolley cars and sail underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and take in all the sights. We did all the touristy things possible, including a walking food tour in the historic Chinatown district. We arrived mid-morning to hot tea and Chinese pastries, then proceeded to walk through the maze of streets, hearing about the rich history of Chinese Americans as we casually sampled nearly every kind of dim sum imaginable. The tour ended at a place where fortune cookies were first invented, but after all of that great food that day, there was no greater fortune than the sturdy button on my britches. <laughs> Thank God for that. When you visit Chinatown in San Francisco, you learn about the struggles of Chinese immigrants, past and present, seeking to find their place in our challenging American society. We heard stories filled with perseverance and resilience, stories of people who had every reason to just give up. And yet, they chose the way of hope. Our gospel reading takes us to the pool of Bethesda where those who were ill gathered. And unlike our modern-day luxury spas, Bethesda was a place of disease and desperation, a place for the outsiders, a place for the afflicted, a place for the unclean, a place where people would go when hope was in short supply. There we would find the lame man who had waited nearly 40 years by the pool to be healed. He tells Jesus, how long he'd waited there, and after all those years, no one had extended the kindness to but help him into the water. When I was eight years old, my grandmother was diagnosed with an advanced stage cancer. I, I recall when her oncologist offered little hope, she turned to experimental treatments. This was 1992, and we entered one clinic that treated both cancer and AIDS patients with some sort of chemotherapy mixture. That day, across the small waiting room from me was this frail man, covered in skin lesions, wrapped in a blanket, waiting for his treatment. Even as a small kid, I could feel the heaviness in the room and the bitterly judgmental looks that this man and his partner received from others, even at the clinic. Later in my 20s, I'll never forget the first time when I was on a date and very unexpectedly, I was asked, are you clean? What do you mean, am I clean? I grew up remembering that story 
from Bethesda. I grew up remembering seeing that man in the doctor's office when I was a child. And I knew what it was like for those who were the outsiders. But I, I never understood the pain of that deeply harmful and wildly inappropriate phrase, are you clean, until someone asked me that person, that, that question so personally. So as Jesus approaches this afflicted man at the pool of Bethesda, <clears throat> he asks him, do you want to be healed? <clears throat> do you want to be healed? Friends, at first reading, I have to acknowledge that this seems like such a heartless question. I want to say, Jesus, have you not seen how this man has been trying most of his life to be healed, to be well, to be whole, to fit in, to live a full life? Jesus, how dare you ask him such a question? He is without the ability to walk Somehow he's made it this far, but the injustice of the system has just cut him off even when he's just so close to the finish line. Not a single person will care enough to help him into the pool. Not that some mystical, magical healing pool will even do all that much for him, but still, Jesus, what do you mean? Does he want to be Healed? Does he want to be healed? Is he not the man covered in lesions, suffering the judgmental gaze of all those around him in the waiting room there at the doctor's office, trying to stay warm in his little blanket, waiting patiently so he can get some poisonous experiment injected into his arm? How dare you? How dare you ask him, do you want to be healed? The feeling of hopelessness, the feeling of woundedness, the experience of injustice. These are not foreign experiences to our people. These are not foreign experiences to many of us who are here even today. Whether it is illness or addiction, or the struggle for dignity and equity in an unjust society. Nearly all of us, by some measure, know the feeling of being the outsider and how easy it can be to become disillusioned amidst the journey. I've learned that the Korean people have a concept, a word for that deep woundedness that we can experience from events that seem well outside of our control. Their word is Han. An Asian American theologian, Dr. Fuk Lu, writes in his book, Jesus of the East, woundedness gives us choices. At the crossroads of Han is an important life-changing choice. Hear this. To take the road toward 
further bitterness and resentment, which leads eventually to violence and death, or to choose the road of creativity and renewal that leads to life. In other words, we can allow the deep woundedness, the Han, to cripple us and keep us bound in resentment and death, or no matter our circumstances, no matter the things that are going on around us and within us, we can choose. We have power to choose hope, which brings God's life in our life. When Jesus sees the lame man at Bethesda and asks him that question, do you want to be healed, perhaps? Perhaps he's really asking a different question. Perhaps he's asking, do you still have room in your heart for hope? Do you still have room in your heart for hope? Friends, it's easy to grow accustomed to the identity of our brokenness and somehow lose sight of a fuller life, a fuller life that's possible. As Jesus speaks the words of healing, rise up, take your mat, and walk. Jesus speaks the words of healing to this man, rise up. But the man at Bethesda, he has a choice to make. He could have stayed in his place. He could have said, Jesus, you must be crazy. Listen, friends. We can hold tight to the artificial comfort that comes from that familiar place of brokenness and resentment. Or we can be like the man at Bethesda who chose the way of hope and stood to his feet that day for indeed everything changed for him from that day forward. Now, I wish that life was really like these beautiful gospel stories with miracles and dramatic experiences like a Disney movie with a fairy godmother and a handsome prince and all live happily ever after in that one life-changing experience. But it seems that real life, it seems that real life for us, the gospel for us today, is perhaps more like the story of Dr. Margaret Chung, the first Chinese-American woman physician at the turn of the 20th century. Let's, let's hear about her story. She graduated from the University of Southern California Medical School, aspiring to be a medical missionary with the Presbyterian Church. But friends, it was not her gender, but in fact her ethnicity that would prohibit the church from authorizing her to be a missionary even to her own Chinese people. But that would not discourage Margaret from her calling to be a healer. Margaret moved to San Francisco and spent years working to establish the first hospital of Western medicine 
In San Francisco's Chinatown in 1925, the church would tell her no, and she said, I've got another plan. Yet, the talk around Chinatown was how this ambitious lady doctor was rumored to be a lesbian. When the U.S. entered the Pacific Theater during World War II later that century, Margaret volunteered to join the women's service of the Navy. And again, in spite of her clear, her clear qualifications, it would be her presumed sexual orientation that caused government officials to decline her official commission. Regardless of her accomplishments, she would always be an outsider to her church, to her Chinese-American community, and even to her country. Nevertheless, at every obstacle, at every turn, she refused to be bound by the chains of resentment and bitterness. Margaret chose hope because she knew she was called to be a healer. And wherever she could find a place to bring healing, she purposed in her heart to do just that. Friends, I want to be like Dr. Margaret Chung. Don't you? I want to be like that brave man at the clinic in the waiting room who embraced courage in the face of judgment during the height of the AIDS pandemic. I want to be like the man at Bethesda who took hold of hope. I don't want to be a person who holds on to brokenness. I don't want to be that person. I want to be free to experience the fullness of life no matter what comes my way, don't you? But in order to get there, we have to get real with ourselves. We have to face the Han, the inner woundedness, and find a way to let it go. So friends, here's my question for you today. What is the brokenness that perhaps you're holding on to? What is it that has kept you waiting by the proverbial pool at Bethesda for so many years? Can you picture that offense? That pain? That difficult experience? That deep woundedness? That Han? Can you bring it to mind? If you will, I want to invite you to close your eyes. And if you feel comfortable, place your palms open in your lap, facing upward in a posture of surrender. And as you picture this experience of deep woundedness, Han, in your life, I want you to imagine that you're holding it there in your hands. The pain, the woundedness, Take a moment to remember it, to feel it in part. And then let's, let's all together bring this to God. 
Would you join me in a word of prayer? Immortal, invisible God, you can seem so distant when we find ourselves in the heat of the battle, and here in our hands we hold the woundedness, the deep woundedness that comes from those battles in life. But through Jesus Christ, your message is hope, and it's a clear message that no power of hell or human plan can keep us from the fullness of life that is your will for us. So here it is. Here is the woundedness that is complex and deep that you know better than we could possibly understand. You know this pain better than our close friends and perhaps even better than our therapists know it. And we ask that you take it today in full or even in part so that we might begin to have room in our hearts to see the power of resurrection. Give us hope to believe a new life is coming. Show us what it means to follow that way of creativity and renewal that will lead us to life and life more abundant. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It strikes me how we need celebrations like Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month because they're months that prompt us to see life beyond our own journey and experience. And you may know that this, um, this beautiful Chinese, uh, Japanese tradition of mending the broken dishes and pottery, it's a technique called kinsoji, meaning the golden seams. And through a mixture of lacquer and gold, the broken pieces are brought together and made whole again. That's what our reading from Revelation spoke about. So as we bring our broken pieces today, let's, let's believe that whether it's in that single magical moment or over the long journey, God is at work creating something beautiful from our lives, mending us, healing us, and even shining through the cracks, that we may also learn how to mend and how to bring healing to others. Thanks be to God. Amen.